Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hey there, thank you ever so much for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Podcast. I'm Toby Milden. And I am really excited about today's interview with my guests because for the first time on this show, we are actually leaving Earth and going into outer space. And I don't know, I don't know if this is going to be a world first, but, um, you know, I don't know if, if many podcasts have been recorded in outer space, but all will become very clear shortly. So I am joined today by Rob and Drew, who are the founders of a company called Braided Space. And they have developed a product that was initially used or to be used in space. And now it's being used on Earth. And we're going to be talking about that, why that is important for diversity and inclusion, particularly around neurodiversity. So Rob and Drew, thank you ever so much for joining me today. Hope you're both well. Thanks ever so much for having us, Toby. I'm very well, thank you. Likewise, thank you. It's great to be here. So, Rob, I'll come to you first. Could you just introduce yourself a bit more, like your professional background and what led you to creating Braided Space? Yeah, sure. Um, so, quite relevantly, my degree is in astrophysics. That was a long time ago, but uh, nevertheless, I've always been very excited about everything to do with uh, space and physics. But I spent the bulk of my early career working in telecommunications. I worked in technical and commercial roles across a whole bunch of different companies and lucky enough to travel to a whole bunch of different countries. So that was fantastic. Uh, but then about, I think, seven or eight years ago, I moved into a field called digital health, which is um, very relevant given the recent pandemic. It's all about helping patients to support themselves remotely with access to clinicians. I wasn't on the clinical side, of course. I was on the commercial side, but I really loved doing that. Um, and one of the roles that I did there was working in mental health care where I first met Drew, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But uh, uh, it was through uh, working in um, astrophysics and then telecoms and then mental health care that kind of came together as a really, really fortuitous bunch of, of, of experiences and uh, skill sets that helped us to build Braided. Brilliant. Thank you. I think we got similar backgrounds because I used to work in telecoms as well. And, uh, and also I worked in healthcare technology as well. So, yeah. Our paths may have well crossed a few years ago. You never know. You never know. I'm sure we know a lot of people in common, Toby. We'll have to have that conversation one day. Absolutely. And Drew, if I could come to you now, could you just let us know about your your background and what led you to creating Braided Space with, uh, with Rob? Yes, happy to. I'm a psychological therapist by training, and I worked in mental health services uh, around the UK uh, for about 20 years, but particularly in Scotland, and particularly in uh, remote and rural communities where uh, access to psychological support was difficult, quite often because of geography, um, but often because people were also time poor and it's difficult to attend appointments or uh, within the hours that were being offered, those, those sorts of barriers to access. So as I was working as a clinician in those services, I began to uh, experiment with using technology in different ways to open up access and that led me to working with a, a company where I met Rob. And uh, I, I started there as a therapist delivering uh, live sessions of evidence-based therapy 
with people, but online. Um, and we didn't have like a, a video signal. It was live text. And in that way, we were supporting lots of people in really remote communities who wouldn't be able to engage in, in therapy otherwise. And at the same time, uh, NASA uh, announced the Artemis program in 2017. So there was lots of material about um, what they were planning for deep space missions uh, to the moon and back to Mars, with a particular focus on um, the risks to the mental health of crew in, in such an extreme situation. So it's quite a natural progression from focusing on psychological support in remote communities to thinking about a, a team of people in the most remote situation we could imagine that far from Earth. And uh, what came out of that and the collaboration with Rob will go on to talk about, I think. Brilliant. So you guys set up a, a company called Braided Space and initially, and this is what I find really exciting, you know, you're focusing on space and, and long missions. Can you explain to us what braided space is and the, the problem that you were trying to solve? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's not a problem that we have um, today, but it's a problem we're going to have in the next few years. And the planning is underway for this. And it's to do with how do we communicate with the crew on a future mission uh, into deep space? And deep space means beyond low Earth orbit. So the International Space Station goes around the Earth in, in, in orbit relatively low down. It's not very far away. The last time any human beings went into deep space was when the Apollo astronauts went to the moon. Uh, and there are plans now, as Drew already mentioned, with um, the Artemis program to send people back to the moon and then to use that as a springboard to send human beings onwards to Mars. And you have a big problem with communication when you start to go that far away in that it takes a very long time for a communication signal to travel across the void. So we're speaking now in different parts of the UK. And effectively, as I speak, you're hearing me almost instantaneously. But if I was on my way to Mars and you were still on Earth, that delay would, there would be a delay and it could be many, many minutes. So it could be when Earth and Mars are at their very closest, that delay is over three minutes. So I would say something, it would take three minutes for you to hear it, three minutes for me to hear your reply. And when Earth and Mars are on opposite sides of the sun in their respective orbits, that delay goes up to over 20 minutes. So what that means is you simply cannot have a normal conversation. Because if I have to say, hey, Toby, how are you? And then I've got like six minutes at least, probably 10 minutes, I can go and make a cup of tea or whatever. It's not really a proper conversation, which is really challenging operationally. So if the crew is trying to get instructions and support from the ground, that can easily get confused. It's also really, really challenging for their mental health, as Drew already alluded to, the impact on someone of being isolated in a small tin can flying to Mars with uh, six or seven other people, perhaps, and not being able to speak to their loved ones on Earth is very, very significant. So that's the problem that we set out to solve with, with space braiding. And we managed to do that. So we've, we've built it. We can talk in a minute about how it works. I'm sure you'll ask us that. Uh, but we've built it. We've tested it in studies working with NASA, with the European Space Agency and the UK Space Agency. Uh, and it works very well. And what I find really interesting is that you, obviously you've developed a, a solution for deep space missions, but this is actually now a tool that we can use on Earth. I've had a go with it myself, um, and it's a really cool tool. So, um, Drew, if I if I come to you then, um, why why did you develop the solution for 
for uh, us earthlings um, <laughs> and, and how it, how is it being used on, on earth um, and also why is it a good solution for neurodivergent individuals? Great questions there. Um, well, I have a lifetime of experience of communication being difficult at times when we do it in traditional formats, as in face-to-face uh, -face meetings or by video. I'm autistic and uh, I still manage to participate in those modalities, but it, it's effortful and I, I don't always find it easy to share like the best of, of, of my thinking. So while we were focused on solving the problem for NASA in deep space, Rob and I still had to use the tool thousands of times as we were testing and testing and testing and ironing out bugs. And I simply found myself much happier in braided, having meetings and working with Rob through that tool because, as, as we'll go on to describe, it has some key qualities that add up to giving me some time to process what's being said before I fully contribute what I want to say. There's a bit more time to to think and it creates a discussion that's highly structured so i know the topics that are coming i can prepare my thoughts on them i can edit my contributions it's much more expected the direction of the conversation is more knowable and i find that very very helpful but you'll have heard the expression i'm sure toby if you've met one autistic person you've met one autistic person right so i we didn't want to assume that just because i found that a more comfortable, less stressful way to be in a live discussion, that that would be true for other people. So we went down this path where we had to evolve the technology so that it would work for a group of people on Earth having a meeting, which took some development work, and then getting it into people's hands to explore, did they see the same values that I did? What was it like for them? So we did some structured testing with uh, knowledge sector professionals who are also autistic, did lots of braided meetings with them. And I can talk about that data later if that's that's of interest. But also lots of demonstrations with other neurodivergent people, people with ADHDs, people with dyslexia, found different values in the tool. And, and so that led us to begin to think about braided meetings as a, a tool that may be removing some barriers to participation in, in, in meetings at work, which have been excluding people from discussions uh, for a very long time. Absolutely. And I, I like your use of the words time to think, because it reminds me of um, a, a podcast interview I did a while back with somebody called Mitzi Wyman, who is a trained facilitator in a technique called the thinking environment. And it's about creating structured meetings that gives everybody the opportunity to to have a voice it's a very inclusive way of running meetings and so if anybody's interested in listening to that interview it's worth going back through the archives to find Mitzi's interview because um, there's some correlations between how your product works and the, and the way that Mitzi would facilitate a meeting so Rob how how does this the system work then if I if I was kind of looking at it on my computer screen, what would I see? So it's, it's, it's actually very, very simple. Um, I like to describe the whole idea as a very simple but not obvious idea, um, which is what it is. So I'll explain briefly how it works for space first, and then we can talk about how that gets um, adapted on Earth. So we call it braiding 
because each communication is subdivided into a number of threads or braids which are intertwined um, and presented in a specific way to people to provide the benefits we've talked about. Um, so if you were on Mars, Toby, and I was on Earth, we're having a, a conversation. What you would see is you would see on your computer screen a multi-sided carousel shape, like a child's carousel. And each of those sides would carry a window of text. So you can type into this tool. At the moment, it's a written-only tool. So you can you can type into it and you can re- read what I'm writing on that same subject. And we have multiple subjects on that carousel. And so the way it works in bre- in space and the way it disguises that latency is that while you are actively typing in one braid, so you're reading what I wrote before and then you're typing there, I'm actively typing in another braid on the opposite side of the carousel. And I'm reading something that you might have typed five or six minutes ago that has then um, spent some time traveling across the void between us, um, uh, between Mars and Earth. And I'm then able to read that as the as time passes the carousel rotates one step at a time and each time it does it brings to me fresh content from you and at the same instant it brings to you fresh content from me so to each of us it feels like an entirely natural conversation with no latency because every time the carousel moves you get a fresh message from me that you've never seen before and you reply to it as if I just messaged you in reality, that happened several minutes ago. But because that experience is the same for both of us, we have the same feeling of being in a natural shared discussion. So that's how it works in space. The great benefit of being on Earth is there is no latency. So we don't need to spend time with some of that content traveling across the void and not being engaged with. So we could have that same carousel with, let's say, six panels on it. And instead of having two people, one either side, on Earth, we can have six people each person sitting there at a laptop looking at one panel. So there's six different panels, six people, six separate threads or braids of conversation, which are all rotating continuously in the meeting. So a typical a topic might go from me. I add some comments onto it. It then goes to Drew. He adds some comments onto it. He's got there at that point in time that uh, opportunity to add his thoughts without me interrupting him, without any of the usual distractions you get in a meeting. And then after he's added his thoughts, that would then go on to you. So it's a continually rotating carousel with multiple threads of conversation um, uh, which come together to feel like a very natural engagement. So, Rob, some of the organisations that you're currently working with and you're testing this out on, what are some of the benefits that they're noticing when they run meetings use and communicating through these these braids or you know or the carousel really interesting question i think uh, it, it comes down to the individuals in those meetings and what's important to them and what they struggle with so perhaps i'll answer it from my personal point of view and and the, and the experiences of I think I'm neurotypical. I'm sure plenty of my friends would disagree in various ways. But uh, in general, I think I am. And, and what does this do for me? And then maybe hand over to Drew to talk about what it does for, for him. And then other people, by extrapolation for, from that, we can talk about. But you know, for me, when I'm in braided meetings, and we know this from some of the people who started to test it and play with it, is as a neurotypical extrovert, I actually kind of enjoy normal face-to-face meetings. I get a lot of energy from them. I love being in a room and, and, and bouncing ideas backwards and forwards. That's fantastic. But it um, doesn't mean I'm a great value contributor to a meeting, even though I enjoy it. So being extrovert, one thing I don't like is silence. So if there's silence in the room, I will talk to fill it. doesn't mean I've got something clever to say. 
or even well thought through or anything. It just means I don't like the silence. So I start speaking, which means that um, I'm potentially distracting other people who were about to say something more profound and more well thought through. And it also means that I am then taking the conversation or the meeting in a way that isn't necessarily what we're there to try to, to work on. So I've got all of those inherent weaknesses in my performance that didn't really realize until we started to play with braiding. And what I find with braiding, my initial thoughts were, this may be something that I would find restrictive. Um, but actually, I find it very liberating, because instead of always being thinking about, well, how am I going to get a word in? I don't do that. I've just got one topic to focus on. I put my thoughts in, carousel rotates to the next topic. And then I'm giving my thoughts on that as well. So for me personally, that's what I'm seeing. And we're getting some feedback from other people that that's something that they're seeing as well. But of course, a team is not just one person. And so you know, when you've got a team that's neurodiverse, as, as we are as a founding team, you have a lot more value. So I'm sure Drew will have um, additional points to make on that. Absolutely. Drew, Drew so what's your, what's your perspective on the benefits of, of communicating through these braids? I think one of the most important qualities is that it equalizes access to the discussion. So even more broadly than thinking about neuroinclusion, there's reliable research data from the States, which led up to this concept called the, uh, the uneven conversation problem. You might have heard that, that in any group of six people, for example, three of them will do 75% of the talking. There's lots of different factors that go into that beyond neuro, neurodiversity. So for me and many other people, finding it hard to fully participate in the discussion, braiding gives me the space to do so. It gives me equal opportunity as everybody else to say what I really think about the topics under discussion without being uh, interrupted, spoken over, distracted. It's where you need a little bit more processing time. It allows that. And, and that could be for lots of reasons. I imagine, say, if my, um, if, uh, if, say I had an accident and it affected my hearing and then I was going to a meeting and I was struggling to hear compared to before. I imagine the extra processing that needs to go on uh, experiencing that, that having a little bit more time would again allow for equal participation. And that's what we hear from people who are testing it. That um, So the group of autistic professionals that I mentioned, for example, of that group, uh, 100% of them, all of them said that they were able to fully participate in the discussion in a way that had not felt possible for them in face-to-face -face meetings. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, I really love your business journey because, you know, Rob, you worked in telecoms and, you know, healthcare tech. Drew, you start, you know, you worked in mental health services. You both met, you ended up creating a business and a solution for deep space missions and now you've taken that product back to earth for um you know for us us earthlings what was it like having a kind of founding team with neurodivergent thinking or members on it and and how do you feel that that neurodivergency has helped with your business and with the product development i think it is the engine that has allowed us to make the progress that we have it's and, and maybe there's something about being a co-founder in a startup that allows you some more flexibility it certainly 
if you've ever been in a co-founding relationship, it's very intense. You know, we speak however many times every day, we work on hard problems every day, but it has afforded us the opportunity to experiment with how we can appreciate and recognize each other's differences and leverage them to our advantage rather than try and sort of suppress them and push them out of the way and try and be identical to each other. So Rob and I, if, if you present us with a situation or a problem, we will see different things to each other. We will have different approaches. We will understand it in different ways. And we have learned to really value the time and effort that we put into really teasing out those differences, not trying to push them away because in there, in the differences is where the really innovative thinking is. And we know, don't we, Rob, whenever we work on a thing together, fully together, giving each other the space to be ourselves while we do that, we always have better outcomes. Always. Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely. So the, the question I ask everybody when they come on the show is what does inclusive growth mean to you? Um, Rob, Rob, what's your thoughts on that? So uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. It's, it's obviously a, a very big question. And I think some of this comes down to uh, my own sort of personal journey. So I've had some reasonably big corporate jobs over the years. Uh, and in general, you know, teams that have worked for me, uh, the feedback I've had has always been really, really positive on my ability to be inclusive and supportive of people. But when I look back now, I realize how how bad I was, you know, in some of the meetings I used to run, if people like Drew had been in them, they would have had a terrible time. They wouldn't have told me and I wouldn't have realized I just wouldn't. Have. So things along those lines that have happened to, to in my journey in the past, I'm now much more aware of that going forward. So I think what I'd say what inclusive growth means to me is, is, is kind of what Drew just articulated. It's what he and I have been on as a journey together and making sure that as Braided grows going forwards. We want to keep that as a core part of uh, of everything about the business. It's been so powerful for us. I've learned so much through it myself, uh, and it's certainly going to be a core component of our future. Cool. And and Drew, what does inclusive growth mean for you? It would mean growing equality. I think so. In my specific vein of interest, that would mean equalizing job opportunities for all people and somebody will correct me on these figures but i think broadly speaking 75 percent of autistic adults uh, want to be in employment and about 15 percent are and um, so equalizing job, job opportunities for all people but also once people are into jobs as i in your interview with um, jonathan hassel he, he picked up he spoke really eloquently about improving recruitment is really important but once people you once you have a more diverse work, workforce if you don't provide people with the context and tools that they need to do their best work then the organization is disabling them not the other way around so yeah improving job opportunities but also improving the work context and processes so that everybody has what they need to do their best work and i think in that in that future state when truly diverse teams can collaborate effectively. I think that's when growth will really take off. Yeah, brilliant. Take off like a space rocket. <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> say it and I stopped myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if that was intended or not. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, if the person listening to us right now wants to learn more about braided space and how it works and how it can help improve communications, what should they do? 
Great question um, and a very easy answer, which is um, we have a website at braided.space. So simply go to braided.space. Uh, you can find a lot of information about the background story, the space part, and also about braided meetings. You can sign up there for braided meetings, which is very easy. So if people want to, to buy it, they can buy it. If they want to try it, there's a free trial there as well. If you do use it, that's fantastic. We'd love that, and we'd really love some feedback. So we'd love people to please go and try or go and buy um, and let us know what you think. Brilliant. Well, Rob and Drew, thank you ever so much for joining me on today's episode. It's um, It's been a really interesting conversation. And uh, I, well, I'll either see you in Earth or Mars. Um, <laughs> let's, see where, let's see where we can get to first. Um, but thanks ever so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Toby. And thank you for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Podcast with myself, Rob and Drew. Um, hopefully you have found it a really interesting conversation as I have um, and taken some tips away that you can use in your own organization. Um, until the next episode, take care and look after yourself. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.